Thanks for checking out the weekly Harmony Church podcast. For more information and resources about Harmony Church or any of the Harmony events, check out the Harmony Church website or Harmony Church Facebook page today. I, I, I just see this, this impression right now when you have two magnets and when one is turned around the wrong way and you can't push them together, they keep pushing away from each other. You guys know that? And then, you know, when you flip it around and it just goes dunk, back together, that's what I see God doing to people's hearts in this room tonight. Those of you who have been at, in, at, at, at odds with other people, maybe not in this room, but in life, and you can't everything, you just can't seem to connect. There's a, just a disconnect that you can't get past. And I see God flipping hearts tonight so that it just clicks again. Thank you, Jesus. If you just need that, just receive right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit. Wow. Well, let me share something that's, that's kind of on my heart, and then we're going to pray for some people and see what happens. Is that cool? Cool? Okay, cool. Is it, is it okay over this side of the room? By the way, I want to ask a question first. I want to know who's willing to stand up now, this is the mo- possibly the most serious question of the night. I want to know if someone is willing to stand up and have a word of knowledge, take a risk, for the score of the game tonight. <laughs> We're not going to hold you to it. Who wants to stand up? Go. 23-4. 18 we got 23-4, we got 18-3. One more? 35 top. Okay, that's what we're going with, guys. Write that down and see how you go. It's good to practice words of knowledge. It's a perfect opportunity to practice at the start of an All Blacks game. <clears throat> well, I've, I, um, I want to kind of share off the back of what I was sharing this, after, uh, this, this morning. And, um, and then tomorrow morning at church, I'm going to sort of share off the back of what I'm sharing tonight, and then probably tomorrow night off the back of that. So this kind of all runs together. But uh, I want to share um, tonight about uh, the heart of David. I want to share tonight about a heart of worship. I want to share tonight about a heart of worship because I believe that you are called to birth something in worship that is new for New Zealand. I feel honored that Marcus, you sung that song and led that song wherever Marcus is tonight. And I feel like um, that God wants to take you as a church into a new space of worship. And I may have shared this last time I came around something around the same thing. I don't I can't remember, but there's something so strong in you in the realm of worship. And I'm telling, and I want to share this with you, not just with the worship team, because whether you know it or not, if you're in this room, you're part of the worship team. Harmony Church is a worship team. If you're part of Harmony Church, you are part of a worship team. You may not play an instrument on a Sunday or on the worship practice, but you are part of the worship team full on. You are a worship team called to birth something new in worship in Christchurch, in New Zealand, and in the nations. And I want to talk to you about a culture of worship. I want to talk to you about something that God is doing in New Zealand and about how God is inviting you to play a deeper role in what He's doing in New Zealand. 
I want to share a little bit about my story and my recent story from the last time that I, that I was with you. So much has happened since the last time I was with you. And I was just looking through my notes and looking at all the dates, and I was realizing, oh, my gosh, that happened after, and that happened, and that. Wow, so much has happened. And I'm thinking, how do I know what stories not to tell and what stories to tell? Because there's been so many things happen. But I want to share just a little snippet of what's been going on, and then I want to share um, how the, what I feel like God is directly, specifically doing as a result of a cultural worship in you, and then we're going to pray. And I just believe that God is going to do the magnet thing. It's going to be a blip. There's going to be a blip. There's going to be, it's, you know, a, a magnet can have the opposite effect of what it's designed to have an effect. It can have the opposite effect of, what, of its design if it's around the wrong way. But as soon as it goes, it goes boom. And all of a sudden, it has its effect. Have you noticed that? So I believe that's what's go- what God's going to do tonight. But I want to begin with um, a month after I was with you, last time I was with you. I took, uh, my wife and I took our kids, we went to Phuket, and then we went to um, Cambodia, and we had an amazing time. I watched my daughter pray for uh, this guy in, in one of the Thai churches. He had a tumor right here. His tumor went, whoop, disappeared. She was eight years old at the time. It just disappeared, and then he couldn't see the back of the wall, and she prayed again, and his eyes, went, she, he started bawling his eyes out. His eyes got completely healed. He got all of his sight back. His tumor disappeared instantly, and he got healed. I think of his ankle was sore as well, and he was just bawling. And I was looking back on my photos, just looking back on the last year since I was with you, and, and that came up, and I, I saw the photo of me, my daughter Ari, and this guy, and he's got this big grin on his face, and I just remembered that moment, just thinking, wow, isn't that awesome to watch God touch people's lives, to watch the impossible bow its knee to Jesus, to watch the power and love of God move, to see that God is not just an idea, but He's actually real, that He's still doing the same things that He was doing 2,000 years ago, but they've just increased and they're happening in more places than just Israel. They're happening in every nation on the earth. It is amazing what God is doing. And it's not just happening through preachers that hold microphones. It's happening through every single person who has a heart to believe and a heart to say yes and a heart to just have a go. Isn't that awesome? Isn't it amazing to be part of God's worship team and to see, to see the nations bring praise to God because of these things that God is doing? Yes, that is amazing. Wow. And so um, we, we were in Thailand and we did a whole bunch of other stuff happened. And then we went from there to Cambodia and we had an amazing time in Cambodia. Some of our very good friends over there. They run Iris Cambodia, and they basically rescue kids out of, um, out of brothels and places like that who have been held in, in, um, as slaves, and it's just horrible. And um, it was one of the most challenging moments of my entire life watching and being a part of these kids' lives and just seeing their ministry and being a part of it. And I, I, I actually I literally cannot even tell you the stories because I can't tell the stories because they don't come out of my mouth without me. It's just too hard to share the stories. But also, um, I can't tell you the stories for their safety's sake. But just trust me, it was crazy. And then watching my little girls, I've got three girls, I've got a a three-and-a-half-year-old, a a seven-year-old, and a nine-year-old, just making good friends of all these kids who have been rescued out of brothels who are their age. And they're playing with them in the dirt in these slums. And it was just too much for my brain. Um, and my heart could only just cope with it. 
And it was amazing. And so we got to be over there. And while I was over there, the first night I was there, I had a dream. So I'm in this, I'm describing kind of what the trip was like, because I want you to sort of get a picture of what was maybe going on in my heart, what it might have felt like for you if you were there. And so I'm there, I'm kind of like in this moment, I'm with my family, the kids are kind of like getting used to the temperature, they're all excited about tuk-tuks, about um, riding on motorbikes with the whole family on a motorbike, they're all excited about this adventure and it's just all cool, and so they're not sleeping and it's pretty intense. And anyway, in the middle of all this stuff, I go to sleep first night, and I have this dream. And in the dream, um, God starts to speak to me. And um, I want to share this dream. I woke up feeling like I had had an encounter with God at the end of this dream. But in the dream, I'm back in New Zealand. And I'm in Auckland. And I'm with some people that I know. And you guys were there because the whole country was in the same thing. We were at this big meeting. It was actually a concert. And it was a Celine Dion concert. You were all there. You were all part of the Celine Dion concert. I actually found out when I woke up in the morning and looked on the interweb, I found out that actually Celine Dion did actually have a concert in Auckland on that day, which I didn't even know she was in New Zealand. I was like, well, that's cool. Anyway, I was in this concert and she started singing the song and she started singing the song. And as she sung the song, she was like Marcus, you know. And everyone started following her song. And we all started singing after her. And it wasn't just a concert. It was the whole of New Zealand was singing the same song. And it was, I found out later, I wouldn't have even known unless I'd researched it. But I found out later, it actually isn't even a Celine Dion song. It's a Mike and the Mechanics song. And it goes like this. It goes, all I need is a miracle. All I need is you. All I need is a miracle. You know, you guys heard that song? So I just thought that was a Celine Dion song. But turns out it's a Mike and the Mechanics song. And so I thought, wow, so crazy. And then I'm looking at her sing this song. and We're all singing after her. We're singing, all I need is a miracle. All I need is you. And then I hear the Lord say, ah, finally, I've been waiting for this. And I saw and I looked out over the crowd and everyone's head was lifted. Everyone's arms were lifted. And they're all singing to the Lord. And they were singing, all we need is a miracle, God. All we need is you. And as the whole nation sung that song, there was this spirit of worship that came over the whole nation. I woke up, but I knew that at that moment, the whole nation was ready to birth a missions movement to the world. I knew that, I knew that the, the nation itself was ready to be sent to the nations. And I said, God, what was that? I feel like this is amazing. And he said this. He said, um, he said look up the name Celine Dion. Look up what it means. So I looked up the name Celine Dion. Celine means heaven. And Dion is a, derives from the goddess of wine in Greek mythology. Now, of course, I don't believe in, in the goddess of wine and Greek mythology and all that stuff. But it's a dream. You know, dreams sometimes have strange things that mean different things. And um, this is still water, but one day it will be turned to wine. Maybe. And wine represents the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Wine represents the new wine, it represents the outpouring of the Spirit, it represents the reality of God, it represents God wants to turn your water into His wine. He wants to transform you, He wants to baptize you with His nature until the water in you is infused with the wine in Him and you become one substance with Him. And so He, he said to me, heaven, and, the, and there is an outpouring of the Spirit, there is an outpouring from heaven that is going to begin to lead New Zealand into a new song where they all sing the same song. 
And the same song was this, all we need is a miracle, God, all we need is you. And a whole nation will start to sing that song. They'll start to sing the song of, God, we, 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 need, we need more than what we can do. We need what you can do. We need more than what our hands can change. We need what your hands can change. We need more than our power. We need your power. We need more than, than our ability to achieve what we can achieve on our own strength. God, we need your strength to achieve what we can't achieve on our own strength because our calling is beyond our capacity to achieve. We need you, God. We need a miracle. And beyond that, God, we just need you. We, if we have nothing else, God, we just need you. And it was this essence of this complete abandonment to God. And he said, I'm, I'm doing two things in New Zealand, man. I'm birthing a, a, a worship movement that is going to lead to a missions movement. It's a worship movement that's going to lead to a missions movement. And then he said, what are, what are the two things I've been talking to you about, Matt, over the last year? And I said, well, it's the 44, which of course means more to me than it does to you right now. But the 44 was a, a big, massive, long story. But God started speaking to us through a dream. Actually, Andy had the dream. Him and I were in the dream. And a guy who you would know prophesied over us at a, at a crusade in the dream and said, it's the season of the 44. God is taking you into the season of the 44. And Andy woke up and he was like, 44. And he told me, I was sleeping in the hotel room next, next to him. And he's, he's like, I had a dream, man. Me and you're in the dream. And this guy prophesied season of the 44. Then we, um, we get to the airport. We're on our way to Sri Lanka. We get to the airport. And we meet Eric Johnson at the airport. He says, wow, guys, it's been such a long trip. I've literally been traveling for 44 hours to get here. We're like, what did you say? 44? Did you say 44? And he's like, yeah, for, what, what's the big deal with 44? We're like, no, it's fine. Whoa, we just said 44. And then, and then we, we get on the plane, and Andy's seat is 44A. My seat is 44B. Then we get to the hotel room, and it's room 4444. So, I mean, you've got to pay attention when that stuff starts happening, right? So I'm like... What is the 44th thing? Now, the book of Acts is, of course, the 44th book in the Bible. So that's cool. But we didn't, we were like, it's kind of that, but there's something more. Then we realized that, um, that uh, Henry Williams, New Zealand, in a 10-year period, 70% of New Zealand was born again in a 10-year period. Before that, it was like one person out of the whole nation was born again. Henry Williams came, and when he came, he led the nation for ten, a 10-year period where there was a massive awakening in this nation. It was a 10-year period. It was incredible. One of the greatest awakenings that has ever hit the planet. And this was his name. In Māori, I can't remember exactly how you say it in Māori, what it is, but it literally means this. It means four eyes. His name in Māori means, if you translate it into English, four eyes. So everyone knows him as four eyes. On his gravestone, if you go to his gravestone, which is just up the road from my house, it says this, four eyes who served the Lord for 44 years in the land of Aotearoa. And God started to speak to us about how there's another great awakening coming to this land. There's something, the thing that Henry Williams brought to our land all those years ago that began back then but was shipwrecked because of what happened with the treaty and all those types of things that happened back there that kind of, kind of um, uh, put a hole in the harvest and everything fell out at the bottom. That, that what the locust stole, God is restoring. And there's beauty coming out of those ashes and there's something great coming out of that place. And what he brought to this land is not finished yet. And there's, a, there's, a, there's a, a resurrection of the mantle that Henry Williams brought to this land for this season right now. It's a great harvest that is available for us in this season. And so I, he started speaking to me about the 44, and he's been speaking to Andy and I and our whole church about the 44, the season of the 44, and I could share story upon story upon story upon story. I've just shared literally the tip of the iceberg 
of all the crazy things that have been happening with this whole 44 thing. But in the middle of that, God said to me, the key to the 44 is the 22. It's 22-22. And I said, what's 22-22? He said, it's Isaiah 22-22. It's the key of David. Worship will unlock the harvest. That same heart that David had, which is a heart of worship, a heart of adoration, a heart of abandonment, a heart that said, all I need is a miracle, God. All I need is you. That heart will unlock the harvest. When the church gets the heart of David and there's a key of David, that's going to unlock the heart of David. And so um, I had a word of knowledge um, a few, probably six months ago now. And as, as this 22-22 thing was happening, and so many things happened, of course, as well with this 22-22 thing. But, um, but this is just to give you a little snapshot of sort of how the Lord was speaking. So in the middle of the worship, God says to me, there's someone here and they have a heartbeat, a heart that's out of rhythm. And so I get up and I'm doing the notices. And in the middle of the notices, I say, hey, who's got the heartbeat that's out of rhythm? This guy says, I've got a heartbeat out of rhythm. And I said, okay, cool, let's pray. And I didn't know how bad it was or anything. I just thought maybe he can't even test it. Who knows, with a heartbeat out of rhythm, sometimes it's faint and you can't really tell. But I said, let's all point our hands. And we just prayed quickly. And then I had one more word of knowledge, went for that. And after that had finished, he said, hey, I need to share. I said, yeah, what's going on? Now, all my church at this stage, we, they all know about the 2222. We're all on this journey together. So they're aware of that. And he says, um, he says to me, oh, you need to know that it was a severe out of rhythm heart. Like, I'm completely healed and I can totally tell. Like, I, I mean, I can, I can literally feel my heart has been out of rhythm and it's been out of rhythm for 22 years. But then he said, no, it's not just vaguely 22 years. I'm saying to the exact day. I had a heart attack this date exactly, almost to the hour, if not to the hour, 22 years ago, and my heart got, and it's when I got born again, but my heart came out of rhythm. That's what led me to the Lord, but I've had this misbeating heart since that day. And exactly 22, exactly 22 years later, God brings my heart back into rhythm in the season that the prophetic word is God's giving us a heart of David. A key to unlock the heart of David. So I share that story the next day, and I think it was the next day or like two or three days after in Tauranga. And I'm sharing the story, and, and, uh, and it's crazy. So that lunch, we go to the supermarket. My friend Kristen comes. He buys the lunch from the supermarket. He's got a credit card. He has like 40 things that he's doing a little bit of grocery shopping as well. We get all the lunch stuff. And he's like, look at this. I'm like, what's going on? He's like, look at how much it cost. It's $22.22. Like, you can't, you can't kind of, you can't like pretend or you can't manufacture that. Like, that's just, you have to be a serious, quick mathematician to get all that organized and make that to the cent, 22.22. And then we come back from lunch and this guy comes running up and he says, he says, this is crazy. And I'm like, well, what's crazy? Now, I'm used to hearing that now because probably after this meeting, something like this is going to happen again. It's, it's like, all the time. And this guy comes up and he's like, well, man, you know, we live on number 22 Tui Tui Street. I'm like, cool. Well, I mean, that, that could just be a coincidence, but that's cool. You live on 22 Tui Tui Street. Cool. Awesome. I love it. And he goes, it's the 2 2 2 on the clock. Um, and uh, just, it just went past. Just as I looked, it was 2 2 2 And um, he goes, it's distracting, eh? But he goes, 
He goes, I, I live on 22 Tui Tui Street, but I've got to tell you the story. And I'm like, what's the story? He said, God told me and my wife that we were to buy this house on 22 Tui Tui Street. So I said, cool. And he said, yeah, but we gave the offer. God told us how much to give for the house. We gave the offer for it. And, and the guy said, no, no, it's too low. And there's someone else that's offering higher. You're just not going to have it. And I said, well, God, you said to have it, but I don't know what to do. And God said, just wait. Then a prophet calls me up and says, you're buying a house. And God says, you need to dance like David danced. And if you dance like David danced, the key of David will unlock something for that house and you'll get the house. And so he says to me, so it was raining. So I just stripped down into my undies, jumped outside and just started, just started dancing before the Lord and, uh, and just danced before the Lord and came back inside and I had a missed call. So I called up. It's a real estate agent. I called up, I, t- I said, hey, Listen, yep, I missed your call. What's going on? He said, well, I don't know what's happened, but the owner just got in touch with me. They want to sell you the house for the price that you offered. And they just had a sudden change of heart, and they want, to, they want to sell you the house. So we went unconditional that night and had bought the house by the end of that night. I said, that's amazing. He said, yeah, that is amazing, but how's this? And I said, how's what? He said, how's this? God told me to Google how many days ago exactly that day was? And I said, well, how many days ago was it? He said it was 2,222 days ago to the day. I was like, it's funny when God starts saying something that he wants you to listen to really bad. He's not afraid to put a bit of volume on what he's trying to say. But here's what I want to say to you. I am convinced that we are on the forefront of a massive harvest that will be preceded by a by a, a, an abandoned worship movement. We're, we're, a, we're, we're, a, we're a generation of people led by people who choose to be pioneers of this, which Marcus and you guys and the worship team here are part of that, are just, are just abandoned to God in worship. And I see like, I see like not out of striving, not out of like, I have to do this, not out of I'm trying to work my way into God, but out of pure delight and adoration. I see extended worship meetings that last for days and days and sometimes weeks and weeks. I see people that, that, that sometimes forget to eat and there has to be sort of teaching around looking after yourself and like going to eat and having food and, and still looking after your physical body because people will start losing track and just like, it's just so amazing. Worshiping Jesus is so amazing. I was talking to my friend Mary in Myanmar. She's the Myanmar Sean Bowl. She's like the most accurate prophetic person that I think I've ever met, even including Sean. And she, she, um, I get all my team to get her to prophesy over them. And I say, just get a recorder and just get her to prophesy over you in broken English. And they do. And they're like, whoa, she got my birthday. She got my brother's birthday. She got my sister's birthday. She got my parents' wedding anniversary. She got my parents' business name. She got my street address. She, got, she just, and for every single person, she's just crazy. But if you get behind, or like you're like, wow, that's so amazing, Mary. And then you ask her, what's your favorite thing to do, Mary? Oh, Pastor Matt. Oh, I love I love to pray. I love to worship Jesus. So tell me about, what's your ideal day off? Oh, I tell Titus, and Titus is her husband. I tell Titus, Titus, I'm just going to pray, okay? Just in the morning, I go pray. You had to cook your own breakfast this morning. I will pray, okay? Okay. And so she goes, and she says, oh, I did the other day. I say, Titus, is my day off Monday. You will cook your own breakfast, okay? I pray. It's 8 o'clock. I say, I will pray till 9, one hour. And I start praying, and then I look at my clock. It's 8 p.m. I made a mistake. I pray all day. I thought it was just one hour. 
Now, there's something about that that's the key of David. There's something about that. Um, we've, we've, I believe that, it, that it's the same with you, but I can tell my story. I can tell our story from up north, but I believe you have a similar story here. That, that God has started something. Everything in the kingdom has to start. God, you know, Jesus didn't come in the flesh as a 33-year-old man ready to die on a cross. Jesus came as a baby that needed to be born, that needed to go through the process of learning how to, you know, go to the toilet properly, learning how to speak Hebrew, learning. Like he had to go through all the growth process. That's how God chose to come and that's how God chooses to do stuff. He starts as a seed and he grows from there. And there's something that has begun that if we steward it well, it will come through to its maturity. And the maturity of it will look like a massive awakening. But the seed of it looks like a worship movement. And the seed of the worship movement looks like a few people just catching a hold of the heart of David and pursuing God with everything on their heart. And so we've started seeing, and it was about that time when the BSSM team came, Gideon, where, where you've been talking about what's happening in Reading. Well, Peter Mattis came and a few of the guys came and something kind of just before they came began to click and then when they came it catalyzed something and we started going into this thing and um, I could tell you all the crazy miracle stories, I could tell you all the crazy stuff but these stories to me are my favorite out of all of the stories. They may not be your favorite but they're my favorite because to me this is the key. This is what must happen. And so they came and what started to happen was God just, it was like literally God took the key of David and just turned the key inside people's hearts. And I'm not, I can't tell you it's happening with everyone. It's not spread through our whole culture yet. Not even to this day is it spread through our whole culture. But there is a, there is a, there is a remnant of people and their hearts have been turned with the key of David. And it is, it is my dream come true. It literally is my dream come true. Um, one of them is, is, a, is one of our worship leaders. She's, um, she is going to feature more and more as a more significant part of our worship team in the days to come. And uh, she, she, said to me, she said to me in tears one day, about two days after the team came, she said, Matt, I, I'm undone. I don't know what to do. And it's not, not like her. She said, the team prayed for me and you prayed for me. And some of the guys, you know, Andy, and you prayed for me and you prophesied over me. And I was like, please stop prophesying because I can't move my arms and legs. I don't know how I'm going to get home. And she said, I was just crying so much. I was so overwhelmed. I couldn't even move. I was so undone by God. I couldn't even move. So Dan, who's her husband, had to pick me up over his shoulders and had to put me in the car and, they, and he drove me home. And then I had to call in sick for work the next day because my arms and legs still wouldn't work. And I was still overwhelmed and I couldn't even sleep at night. And I was begging God, just let me sleep because I'm so overwhelmed by your presence. I just can't. It's like I'm undone. I'm just undone. And she can't even get the words out of her mouth. I was just undone. And then so Dan put me in an office chair and sort of like sat me up in the chair and he had to wheel me around the house for the rest of the day because I was just I was just undone I'm just undone I don't know what's going on but it's just I'm just overwhelmed by Jesus he's so good and she's just crying he's so good I love him so much he's just so good I love him so much and she's like but I do need to still go to work so do you think Jesus will let me go to work and so we, we you know Dan and, and we prayed for her and she and she's like the next day she's like yeah he gave me my arms and legs back I can go back to work but man I'm a different person I'm a totally a different person and then she says to me a few days after that 
I was praying in my lounge and no one was there. And I just, I got the fright of my life, Matt. I just, I got the fright of my life. I just can't stop praying. I can't stop worshiping. I'm just in my house. I mean, I just, it's just amazing that we get to worship Jesus. She's just saying this. Now, this is it. Jesus isn't a means to an end. He's the end. This is it. This is it. This is what heaven on earth looks like. <laughs> this, is what, this is what heaven's like. And so she says to me, I'm in my house and I'm worshiping. I'm just singing the song. I feel the song coming out of me. And then I just about jumped out of my skin and she starts shaking when she's telling me. I'm like, whoa, this has really affected you. She's like, I am shaken to the core. She said, I heard an audible voice. It wasn't quite, it was so loud, my whole house literally shook. And it just shouted, yes. And all the promises of God are yes and amen. And God just shouted. She said, I don't know if it was God, but I think it was God. It sounded like, like when the Bible describes the rushing waters. And it, it sounded like what the Bible describes. It was just like this intense voice. And she said, Matt, it is shaking me. And then she starts singing that song a few days later over our church. I said, Liz, I need you to pray for me because I want this. Now, if you ever meet Liz, you should do the same thing. Like I know if Bill, if Bill Johnson met Liz and he heard that story, he would get her to pray for him too. It doesn't matter who you are. Like these things are gold. I said, Liz, you've got to pray for me. And she's like, oh, but you know, but you prayed for me. And that's when this started happening. But, but you need to pray for me. <laughs> And so she's, she's like, I don't need to pray for you. I need to sing over you. So she started singing over me the song that she was singing in her living room that day. And I was just like, whoa. Now the whole entire BSSM team had prayed for me. And it was feeling, I was feeling pretty good. But when she prayed for me, I was undone. Something happened. These kinds of stories are the same kinds of stories that were happening in Wales before the Welsh Revival broke out. This, is, this, is, this guys, is the story before the story. Everyone reads the story, but not many people look what was the story before the story. Every time the story before the story, it was always a key of David moment. The key always turned before the thing unlocked. And so if you can, if you can it, we all want the nation to unlock, but you've got to let the key get in there first. That's the key. That's the key. There's a worship movement that precedes a missions movement. I was talking to my other, my other friend. Um, he's 17 years old. He's an amazing young leader. He's, I'm like his spiritual dad, and, he, and he's just amazing. I prophesied over him a few years ago when he was 15 years old, and he said it changed his life, and he's just now, we're just running together. He just came with me to Myanmar for the second time, and uh, it's just so fun. But he said to me about, uh, about eight months ago, he said to me, um, he said to me, Matt, and he's not like a hyper kind of spiritual kind of like roll on the floor guy. He's, he's very much a get the job done guy. He's not like flaky or airy fairy at all. He's very much just a strong leader, a strong person and get the job done. Very practical, but on fire for Jesus. And he said this to me, he said, Matt, Jesus said to me to go to Kaitaia and I don't know why but I think I just need to go. I said, now, he was 16 years old. And I said, well, I think you should go. He said, yeah, I'm going. 
So he drives up by himself, 16 years. Now, I don't know what other 16-year-old kids are doing this sort of stuff. But he's like, God has done something in his heart where he's, there's a hunger that is rarely found in a person his age. He's like, I'm going to go at my own cost, with my own car. I've got to get a car for the, at first. And I've got to wrangle it off my mum. And then I've got to get up there and drive up there. And I don't even know why I'm going up there. And he loves surfing. The surf was pumping. He didn't even go surfing. Which, if you like surfing... This is a miracle in itself. And, um, and he gets up there and he stands. He said, Jesus said to go to the, this beach. So he goes to this beach. He said, stand on the roof of your car. So he stands on the roof of his car. He starts to pray and a cloud comes from behind him. And he said, Matt, I freaked out. I don't even know what this is. Can you tell me what this was? I don't know what this was, but it was a cloud and it had sparkling pink and blue lights inside it. And it wrapped around me, and in the cloud, God, had, God started to speak to me about the young people. And he started to talk to me about a ratana mantle. And I didn't even know anything about this ratana mantle thing, but can you teach me about that ratana thing? <laughs> you know? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that was an amazing prophet in our land. And um, he's, so I started teaching him, and he's, and he's like, man, I'm just, I don't know what happened in that cloud, man, but I am... Oh, the rest of my life, I'm going to reach young people in Northland. I received something in that cloud. Now, what was that? As a key of David that turned in his heart, that it's turned something on on the inside of him. We're in the story before the story. There's something happening. There's a worship movement that is preceding a missions movement. And the same thing is happening here. And don't worry if not everyone's getting it, but look for the ones and twos that are getting it because it always happens with ones and twos before it happens with threes and fours, before it happens with thirties and forties. It's amazing what's happening. God is unlocking something. And if we honor the small, we'll find that God always hides the big and the small. We want the big, we have the big. Every big tree starts as a small seed. He hides big things in small packages. If you can learn to honor the small, you'll get the big. <laughs> another person on our team, she, she um, had got burnt out on, another, on a previous worship team in a previous church somewhere in the world, and which will remain nameless. And um, she was like, yeah, I haven't, I, haven't even I haven't even played my instrument for two years. And she said, something just happened. Something just happened the same time as the Liz thing happened in the room. Same thing as the Zach thing happened in Kaitaia. She has this thing happen. And she says, I don't know what happened, but I just got home after that day at church. And I just sat down at my keyboard. And I just played worship for five hours straight and I couldn't I literally physically couldn't get off my piano I couldn't get off the keyboard I was stuck there in the presence of God the glory was over me so strong I just started playing music I haven't played for for all that time and then I just start playing something something unlocked in her there's a spirit of worship that's unlocking this is amazing and this is um and so I want to talk about the spirit of worship and I want us to go to first John 3 and we're just about finished. I want us to go to 1 John 3. Now, I've actually taken the Bible out of the hotel room. Here. It's a Gideon, the Gideon Bible. 
because I left so early this morning. I, my, I don't know. It's convenient for me to blame my kids right now because they're not here. But I, I don't know what happened. My Bible got raptured or the kids ate it or the dog ate it. Or I don't know what happened to my Bible. It's gone somewhere. So you could pray for me, actually, that I find my Bible. But I'm, I've got this, so bear with me because my Bible has everything written in it. But this one is not quite the same as mine. Um, but in 1 John 3, and we're just going to read just a couple of, couple of scriptures. I'm going to talk about them, and then we're going to pray. So in verse 5, 1 John 3, it says this, And you know that He was manifested to take away our sins, and in Him there is no sin. Whoever abides in Him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen Him or known Him. Everyone say, seen Him or known Him. Okay, we're going to get back to that in a second. Seen no one. We're going to get back to it. Here we go in verse 7. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. For he who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For, his, for this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of God does not sin. For his seed, God's seed, remains in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. Verse 10. In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. Remember that? Um, verse 11. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that you should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of the wicked one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Okay, so cool, man. That's awesome. Why are you reading that? I'm glad you asked. I'm just going to say right now, this is what the Lord said to me. He said, I'm, I am bringing a culture of worship. And in that culture of worship, there's a new love that's going to be born. And in that new love, I'm going to draw all men to myself. All men will know you're my disciples because of your love for one another. And when that love is lifted high, when that love is shining, people will come into that love. And so that's what he spoke to me. And then I said, okay, cool. Can you explain more about that? He said, okay, let me explain. People do verse 14 and verse 10 when they forget about verse 6. That's what he said. He said directly straight up into my face, he said people do verse 10 and verse 14 when they forget verse 6. So let me just read verse 14 and verse 10 and let me land on verse 6. Verse 10 says this, In this the children of the devil are the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. Verse 14, We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. So, Love loosens, love dims, love goes down, and we end up in disgruntlement, disunity, um, disconnection. We end up in hate. What is hate? Hate is not like I want to murder you necessarily. Hate is just there's something about you that's stopping me loving you the way I should. I mean, we always take hate as a really extreme thing, but there's different levels of hate. He who allows his love to fade towards his brother, it's him who is beginning to abide in death. You could say it like that. He said, you do verse 10 and verse 14, you end up in this place where love is not strong if you neglect verse 6. Let me read verse 6. 
Whoever abides in him does not sin. What is sin? Sin, sin, sin just means to fall short of the glory or fall short of the mark. We looked at that word glory today. One of the translations for that word glory is God's good opinion. We fall short of God's good opinion of us. We fall short of the, of the to sin is to fall short of the person God has called you to be. You're created in the image of love. And when you step outside of love, you'd step outside of God because God is love and he who abides in love abides in God and God abides in him according to 1 John chapter 4. But you also step outside of who you are and you're not being yourself when you're not living in love. As soon as you neglect love or you let something stand in, in between you and someone else and take that place of love between those two people, you are actually not quite being yourself, which the Bible would call sin. Falling short of the mark, falling short of the life that God's designed you to live. Sit and, and bad, you know, immoral behavior, that, that is not necessarily sin. Immoral behavior is actually the fruit of sin. Now, someone came up to me when I shared this one day and they said, are you saying immoral behavior is okay? No. <laughs> of course I'm not saying immoral behavior is okay. That's absolutely, completely not okay. But I'm saying it's there for a reason. Immoral behavior exists in a person's life because there's something that is fueling that immoral behavior. What is the thing fueling the immoral behavior? It's the sin. What is the sin? It's you falling short of who you've been called to be. It's you falling short of God's good opinion of you. And when you do that, there are these things that start popping out of your life, this bad fruit. Okay, so verse 6. End of verse 6. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. Literally, it should actually say this. Whoever sins or whoever's fallen short of God's good opinion of them has ne is neither, it should literally, it's such a dumb translation. It should literally say this. Whoever sins is neither staring at him nor experiencing him. It's not like a past tense, I saw him one day. It's meant to say this. Whoever sins they're sinning, they're falling short of themselves and they're falling short of God's opinion of them because of this one thing, because they're not staring at Him intently, because they're not folk, they're not gazing into His face, they're not staring at Him and, they're not, and because of that, they're not experiencing Him. Seeing leads to experiencing. And when you see Him and when you look at Him, this is cool. When you look at Him, you see Him. And when you see him, you can be like him. And when you can be like him, you can be like you. And what is that? That's worship. That right there is worship. That's what worship is. Worship is not just singing a song. Worship is staring into the face of God. And the sound that comes out of your being in that staring is your response to the beauty that you see. It's where you go, you are so worth it. You are so worth it. You are so worth it. And you hear God echo back to you. Oh, you're so worth it. You are so worth every drop of blood. You are so worth every second on that cross. You are, you are so worth everything. And then you, in response to that, you go, oh, but you're so worth it. And you behold the beauty of God in that place. That's worship. You're staring at Him. And if you stare at Him for long enough, you will end up experiencing Him and you'll become what you experience. This is awesome. And what's the result of that? What happens when you stare at Him, experience Him, is that you abide in love. And when you're abiding in love, no sin can be in that place. 
And sin is not just bad behavior. Sin is you living less than who you are. And you living less than who you are looks like there is something other than love between you and your neighbor. But what is the fruit of worship looks like? It looks like this. It looks like you love people. It looks like all there is left in a culture of worship is love between one another. And who lives in that love? According to 1 John chapter 1, God lives in that love. This is pretty cool. This is pretty cool. This is the culture of worship. This is what it looks like. I don't know if you've ever been to just about finished. I don't know because I know the rugby game is coming. But I don't know if you've ever, I remember being at school a few times. I was at school more than a few times, but, but I remember particularly a few times when I was at school. I remember there would be someone in the playground, and, uh, you know, maybe this is not true for you, but this was true for me, and so I'm being vulnerable with you right now, and you may have been a better student than I was. But I remember being at school, and I remember seeing the odd person that would just, like, rub me up the wrong way. And uh, maybe there was someone in my class or some, maybe there was someone that I didn't even really know very well. But I remember there would, there would be, and I can think of people right now that just popped to mind. And you wouldn't know them, so there's no point mentioning their name. And the story is not really worth mentioning either. But I can remember actual moments where I'd be seeing someone in the playground thinking, yeah, I just wouldn't want to hang out with that person. They're just kind of lame. They're just dumb. Now, I didn't grow up in a Christian family or anything, so, you know. I was outside of the Lord and looking at people and not seeing them with the eyes of Jesus and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I remember being in moments like that where before I'd even known someone, before I'd even really got to know someone, I'd kind of written them off or kind of not, I wasn't seeing them for who they are. And I was judging them for how they seemed to be to me. And then I remember on multiple occasions, this would happen. A friend of mine, and this happened with more than one friend, but a friend of mine would come up and they'd be like, hey, man, see that guy over there? Yeah, uh, Johnny? Yeah, he's my cousin. He's awesome. Oh, man, you've got to get to know Johnny. He's so cool. He's such a rad guy. And I would be like, Johnny, that guy. And I'm thinking, man, I'm pretty sure he's not that cool. I don't think we want to hang out with that guy. And, and my friend would be like, no, no, man, he's my cousin. He's awesome. And because I love my friend... And I know my friend's cool. He, he's changing. His, my friend's opinion of Johnny is now changing my opinion of Johnny. Okay, so this is what happens with Jesus, guys. This is how this whole thing works. I remember being in a full-blown disgruntled state with someone that lasted about one year. And I remember being like, like okay, I'm a pastor. I'm meant to know better. <laughs> I'm like angry at this guy and I'm trying to shake off the anger. I'm like, this guy is really annoying me. And I'm like telling my wife, you know, gosh, this is so frustrating. And, you know, my wife's like, yeah, this is really frustrating. I totally know. And like every time we talk about this, the atmosphere in our house, and then our kids start arguing and it's just bringing in this bad atmosphere into our house. And then we're like, oh, we should stop talking about that. We should, t- oh, let's pray, let's pray. And so we start praying and we're like blessing this person and blessing this person. And I'm trying to shake it all off and I'm trying to do it and I'm forgiving and I'm doing all these things that you're meant to do, right? And I'm, and I'm like, yeah, I'm feeling pretty good. And it would last for like a day. And then I'd see the person, ah, and then I'm, just one look, oh, gosh, there they are, and like, Ugh! and then I come back, oh, I saw that person again, and then, oh yeah, I just started, got triggered again, and ah, and then, and then I do the forgiveness thing, go through the thing, like heart journal, get a sozo, do the forgiveness thing, 
get a deliverance session, do all the stuff. And then, and then like, Lord, I just surrendered. I'm sorry. I repent, all that stuff. And then I'm feeling pretty good. And then I, and then I, and then I walk down the road and, oh, there's that person again. I'm feeling pretty good until I see that person. And then it's all back to square one again. I get back to the sozo, back to the forgiveness thing, back to the deliverance thing, back to all the stuff. And I'm doing all the stuff, all the good stuff, right? And it, honestly, guys, this is me as a pastor, as a person that, you know, speaks at Harmony Church, as, um, you know, as someone that sees miracles and is still seeing miracles and all that stuff. But there's something going on in my heart where I'm seeing someone different to the way Jesus has seen them. And, and, and I can't shake it off in my own strength until I'm worshiping Jesus one day and I'm staring at him. And then I go into this encounter. I won't bother going into the details of the encounter, but I go into this encounter and Jesus, and Jesus brings me up into this encounter and I'm looking at his face and he brings this person next to him as well. And he goes, wow, Matt, I love you. And I said, wow, thanks, Jesus. Why is he here? <laughs> and, and, and he said, oh, but I wanted to talk to you about him. I said, what do you want to say, Jesus? He said, oh, you know, you're my son. I said, I know. Thank you, Jesus. He said, you know, he's my son. He's your brother. You know, you know, I, I, you know, I, re I really, really love him. And I'm like, now, of course, I knew that in my head before, but I saw something on his face. I actually, I experienced Jesus' love for him. I didn't just hear about it. I didn't just know it in my head. I'm experiencing it now. And something completely shifted in my heart where I fell in love with this person and everything has changed from that day on. This is what happens in a culture of worship. When you stare at him, you experience him. When you experience him and you experience the love that he has for people, it all changes. And your attempt to love will fall short, but when you enter into his love, it doesn't fall short. And how do you enter into his love? If you stare at him for long enough, you'll experience him. And, and I simply want to encourage you in this one thing. If you look, you'll see. And if you believe there's something to look at, you'll look. I just want to let you know Jesus is looking at you. Jesus is looking at you. All you need is a miracle. All you need is Him. Jesus is looking at you. He's not far away. He's right here. And if you look at Him, you'll see Him. And the more you stare at Him, the more you'll become like Him. Until when people look at you, they'll see Him. And when they see Him, they'll become like Him. And to when people look at them, they'll see him. And this love will spread. And all men will know you're my disciples because of your love for one another. What does a culture of worship lead to? It leads to a culture where there is nothing but love left in that culture. And when there's nothing but love left, everyone will run into that culture. We will have a great awakening in that space. This is amazing. So can we just have the worship team up? Game's about to start. Before we do it, we go. Okay. Awesome. Now? Okay. So the game, I think the game starts at nine, right? Game starts at nine. So I've just had instructions from the boss. 
that if you want to leave for the game, just out in the foyer there, don't feel like you're being rude. You can leave. You can, you can totally leave. Just out that door, um, you're welcome to leave now if you want to. Um, you've got seven minutes till it starts, but feel free at any point from now on. If you want to leave, go see the game. That's fine. We're just going to minister here for a little bit, and, um, and then we're going to join you in there. But I want you just to just close your eyes. And I just see a big fat key in the room. And I just, I just believe what happened to Liz, what happened to Zach, what's happened to me, what's happened to different ones of you. What's beginning to happen in New Zealand at the moment is there's a key that's been reached out. And those who say yes, God is turning the key. And there's not a worship that comes from you. There's a worship that comes from Him. That you don't have to see what you can't see, but God wants to open your eyes up to see what you couldn't see without Him opening up your eyes. He wants to turn something on on the inside of you that will result and the fruit of it will look like in your personal life, a culture of worship. Some of you are going to start waking up in the morning earlier. Some of you are going to start just naturally, not because of discipline, maybe a little bit of discipline, but it's going to be this deep desire. I just long to spend more time with Jesus. I know you spend every day with Jesus. I don't know it's all day, but some of you are just going to be like, I just I just want un undistracted, undiluted time with Jesus where there's nothing else stealing my attention but where I'm staring into the face of Jesus because I want to be just like Him because I just am so in love with Jesus that there's actually a spirit of worship that God wants to unlock in individuals and there will be a point of time that happens where He's unlocked it in enough individuals where there will be a tipping point and He'll unlock it in the whole nation. What I've said is, God, I want to be one of the individuals. I want to be at the the vanguard. I want to be at the pinnacle point. I want to be at the tip of the arrow. I want to be a pioneer of this. I want to be a forerunner of this. And maybe it's just me and my personality, but God, I want to be someone that stands in at the start of this thing and breaks it open for a country because it's not going to happen until some people say yes. It's not going to happen until some people say yes. And that's why I'm so just feel privileged to see Marcus's song come out tonight because it's, it's a sign of this. It's a fruit of this. It's part of this. Is that we find our song before the Lord. We find our space before Him. We find our space in His face. That Moses made a tent. He put it outside of the camp. In other words, he wasn't watching what everyone else was doing. He was watching what the Lord was doing. And everyone else was happy to put their tent there. But he said, no, I'm going to put my tent there. And what did he call it? He called it the place of meeting. That wasn't God's idea. That was Moses' idea. He said, I'm going to call my tent, representing my life, the tent of meeting. And I'm going to choose to believe that my life is a place that God meets me in. And the rest of the nation came to their tent doors. But if it was me, I would have not stopped at my tent door. I would have ran into Moses' tent until I was in the same cloud that Moses was in. Face to face. Face to face. So let me pray for you. And we're going to go into a, maybe your song. The Holy. We're going to go into Marcus' song in a second. And then in a moment, while we're in that song, I'm going to call you forward. And if you want, we're just going to have some laying on of hands. We're just going to have some prayer. But before we do, I just want to pray for all of you just as you're seated. Holy Spirit, right here. Right here. We just make room for you right now. We make room for you right now. 
We make room for You right now, Holy Spirit. We make room for You right now, Holy Spirit. We make room for You right now, Holy Spirit. Thank You that Your hands are on people's hearts in this room and You are healing hearts. You're healing hearts in this room where there are holes and where there are wounds. You're healing hearts in this room. I thank You that Your hands are on hearts and there's fire coming on people's hearts in this room. There are hearts being turned. The magnets being flipped over. There are hearts being turned in this room. Not because of your own strength to turn your own heart, but like me who had that encounter with Jesus and my heart just turned and something changed on the inside of me. That there are hearts being turned in this room. There are hearts being flipped around in this room. And there's a fresh love. There's a new love. There's a fresh love and there's a new love. And there's a love that is not just your love. It's His love. And if you're just saying, I want that love, I just want you to stand up. And that love comes in that place of worship. It just comes in that place of face to face. And so you're saying yes to that love and God is saying this to you. Yes to your face. Yes to being faith. God is saying, you want that love? Come face to face with me. And He's looking at you and saying, I choose you. I choose you. I choose you. The God of the universe is saying, I choose you. I choose you. I'm looking at you. I'm staring at you. I'm making time for you. And I just hear the honour of God's heart saying, thank you for making time for me. Thank you for making time for me. Thank you for making time for me. Holy Spirit.